Okay, so another new recording device today. Hopefully this works out well. Today we're looking at Detective Comics number 61, published in March of 1942. On the cover we have Batman. He's off in the corner, giant, looming over this green building. In front of the green building we see the Batplane, but the Batplane is gray instead of blue. He and Robin, who are in the other corner, are overlooking this intersection with some cars, crashing cars, and tanks on it. And Batman looks so angry here. Don't put that face on the cover, Bruce. On the inside cover, we have the exact same image. But now everything is blue. The Batplane is blue. The green building is more of a teal building now. The background, which was green and red, is now blue. And one of the buildings has a slightly different roof. One of the foreground buildings, which was just black, is now blue with some different windows. And look, some police trying to keep order have been added to the sidewalk. But nothing's changed there, so I guess they're not doing a very good job. And where Robin was before has been replaced with the first panel of the comic, which is called The Three Racketeers. So the comic starts out with three people in different colored suits, sitting around a table, smoking and playing cards. One man, a man in a red suit, is all, I hate being here and playing these penny-ante games. I want to be somewhere else doing big stuff like I used to. And the two people he's with, a man in a blue suit and a man in a green suit, are like, Hey, we don't especially like this either. We also used to be out doing big stuff. The man in the red suit, which has actually turned more orange recently, goes, oh yeah, well, what'd you do before you came here? And the man in the green suit takes this as a cue to tell his life story. He starts going on about how he had this awesome racket before Batman showed up. And the guy who's now in the orange suit is all, Batman, that's the guy who got my racket. And the third guy, the guy in the blue suit is like, yeah, Batman also got me. Seems like he's our number one enemy, our number one in the hate parade. And then the green-suited man decides to start telling his story properly. He starts out by introducing himself. His name is Crafty Cal Clate, and he says that his crimes were crafty as well. It starts with him rounding up this little gang of people, and he's like, Hey gang of people, I'm the smart guy. I've got all the ideas. You gotta stick with me and everything will be good. And his gang believe him and they all stick together to start doing this cool idea he has. One month later, this racket of his is in progress. And we see some police sitting in a green car get a call over the radio. It tells them that there's a suspicious man lurking outside of a bank. The police are all, let's go. So they drive to the bank, but while they're doing that, Somebody else gets a call. A call from a station called SWAG, henceforth going to be referred to as SWAG. The SWAG station is calling all the crooks, and it tells them that S-32 is clear and they should proceed. Later, when the police arrive at the bank, they're all, What suspicious man? We don't see anyone around here. And then they get another call on the radio station, too. This time, it's an official call, not from the SWAG station telling them that a jewelry store was robbed. They get back to their police station, and they're all, but you called and said we needed to go to the bank. But their commissioner, who isn't Commissioner Gordon, I don't think, he is wearing red, tells them that this was a phony call, and they made it easier for the swag station guys to rob the jewelry store. 
The police hurry to the jewelry store, but all they find there is a laundry truck. They say it's completely unsuspicious, but actually it's very suspicious because it isn't a laundry truck. It's a broadcasting truck. Broadcasting for the swag station. And over the next few days, the swag station is very active. They keep sending police to the wrong places, and then they send the crooks to go rob the places the police were at. They're calling the police on, like, the police wavelength, and then they call the crooks on this new swag station-only wavelength. They also have codes, so people can't tell what they're talking about. They say things like S-54 and S-32. The police just get more and more confused by the swag station. One time, they're sent to deal with a fire that just turns out to be smoke. Another time, they're sent for a burglar alarm that turns out to be nothing. Back with the group of guys in differently colored suits playing cards, the orange thug and the blue thug compliment the green thug, Crafty, and they're all, Crafty, that's so cool, that racket should have set you up for life. And Crafty's all, I know, but then Batman happened. And the one in the orange suit's like, wow, Batman, what'd he do? Crafty continues to tell him his sad, sad story of being defeated by Batman. You see, one day, when they're robbing a jewelry store, they send the police off to go deal with something else as usual. But just as they're about to break in, who comes peeling around the corner but Batman in the Batmobile? The Batmobile is so fast that Batman was able to check out the place where they sent the police and then come over to the jewelry store just in case. Look, you can tell it's fast because of its red racing stripes. Batman and Robin jump out of the car and they start beating up all crafty thugs. They fight for a couple panels and then Batman and Robin get knocked out. Fortunately, Crafty is not the kind of evil guy who would take Batman and Robin hostage. They just run away before the cops show up. When Batman and Robin wake up, we get a little insight into their perspective. They're like, oh no, we didn't do well. But then Batman's like, it doesn't matter that we lost the fight because I recognized one of those guys. That's crafty Cal Clay. I can look up his address in the phone book. And later, when Crafty goes back to his apartment, he sees that it's been torn apart and everything is in disarray. How very rude, Batman. Now, at the time Crafty came in, even though we know Batman and Robin looked him up in the phone book and trashed his house, Crafty doesn't know that until he spots a box on the table. He's all, somebody left me a box? And then he opens the box, and a giant bat flies out. Classic Batman, putting bats in boxes and delivering them to his enemies. I think all these boxes are hand-delivered, so I guess that's better for the bats than being sent through the mail. Crafty's all, Batman, Batman trashed my place. Oh no, he's so smart, he probably found my radio codes. He goes over to where he's hidden his radio codes behind a picture in the wall, and he's like, Phew, my radio codes are safe. Batman didn't find them. But after he leaves, Batman and Robin come out of the closet. And Robin's all, That's such a nice stunt, Batman. We made Cal think that his most valuable possession had been put in danger, then we watched him to see where he went. Batman's like, Yeah, I have such good ideas. Tomorrow we can catch him. Batman. Batman, I know you stole that from the scandal in Bohemia. Batman's an avid reader of Sherlock Holmes, and you know what? It's working for him. That night, the swag station goes active again. Crafty calls out all the swag codes. 
this time it's S45. And Batman and Robin, who are tuned into the swag station, also hear that everyone's going to S45. They say that it's a fur shop at Bower and 15th Street, and they speed off. This time, the Dugs don't even have time to break into the fur shop. And oh no, Batman, he's parked the car right next to the front of the panel, and the creepy Batman face is back on his car. This is a horrible day for me. Get rid of that thing, Batman. Batman and Robin beat up all the guys. Robin beats two up by doing a handstand and whacking them with his legs. He's all, I learned this in the circus. Batman doesn't know any circus tricks, so he has to make do with picking up this guy in a brown suit and whacking three thugs with this guy's legs instead of his own. After Batman and Robin have beat up all the thugs, Batman punches Crafty, and Crafty's defeated and his racket ends. Back at the table, Crafty's all, and that's the story I'm stuck with. The man in the red suit's like, wow, no kidding. That's tragic for you. All right, other guy in the blue suit, you tell your story of being defeated by Batman. And the guy in the blue suit is like, yeah, I can tell my Batman story. You see, it's a tragedy. My name is Professor Post, and I'm a scientist. We see Professor Post just a few months ago. He's down in his lab wearing safety goggles that just look like thick glasses standing over a flask, and he says, Eureka! I found it! A drug that slows a person's reflexes and brain and makes them lazy! Ha ha ha! I think finding the reverse of that would be a better use of your time, but I guess we already have caffeine. The professor does not want to sell his drug. Who would buy it, honestly? Instead, he hatches up a plot, and we see the next day at a busy stock exchange, the person in charge of all the business is all, Ugh, business. No, I'm so tired, I want to go home and sleep. All the people there at the stock exchange are all, But you know that we need your signature on these documents to make any decisions about the shareholders. But the guy in charge just slumps over and falls asleep on his desk. Two men, one of them in a blue suit who might be Bruce Wayne, try to wake him up. They're like, what's wrong with them? Then the professor, Professor Post, bursts in the door and he's like, I know what's wrong with him. I've injected him with my lazy drug. And if you want him to do anything, you're going to have to buy the antidote from me. And now that we get a good look at this guy in the blue suit, we can see that he's definitely Bruce Wayne. Bob Kane's getting better at drawing faces. I can actually recognize his characters by their faces most of the time now. The professor tells Bruce Wayne and his constituents that if they don't buy the antidote from him, the guy in charge will become so lazy that in three days he'll be too lazy to eat and he'll starve. All the constituents are like, oh no, this antidote costs so much money, but you really do need it. And they end up buying it. Back at the table, Crafty Cal and Orange Suited Man are very impressed. They're like, that's such a good racket. But Professor Post is all, it was a good racket, but then somebody followed me from that meeting. It was Batman. Batman was one of the guys at that meeting. Don't know who, though. Maybe it was that one guy, Bruce Wayne. Oh, but no, he's such a playboy. It can't have been him. And back in the past, we see Batman charging into Professor Post's laboratory. Classically, he burst through the door so hard that wood flies everywhere. 
in this case it mostly flies up. Did he like crouch down and then stand up really fast at an angle to the door so that the wood would fly up instead of forward? It's a weird thing to do, Batman. Batman beats up Professor Post for a bit until Professor Post pulls out a gun. He's all, Batman, you drink this lazy serum or I'll shoot you. Batman doesn't want to be shot, so he takes the lazy serum. What? That was nothing. Hey, wait, I actually suddenly feel really tired. I think I need a vacation. Maybe I should take a month to go fishing. Batman, you just had two vacations just like a couple comics ago. I suppose this is the lazy drug. Batman, in fact, is feeling so lazy that he just sits down in Professor Post's chair. Professor Post laughs to himself and he's all, Ha ha, Batman, now you'll starve from being lazy. And he leaves the laboratory to continue on with his daily business. Little did he realize that Batman is able to overcome the lazy drug just a bit, enough to open up his boot heel and call Robin. Now his body is lazy, but his mind must be working fine because he's able to think up a clever plan. And he tells Robin to go find Professor Post. Professor Post is currently at another company. He's done the same thing he did to the guy running Bruce Wayne's shareholders company. He's all, you better pay me for the antidote or your director will become too lazy to live. Then he leaves. Outside, feeling very accomplished, he runs into a shoeshine boy. And when the boy asks him if he wants to have his shoes shined, he's feeling so good that he's like, why not make them extra shiny? He gets his shoes shined to high heavens, and then he goes and changes into a disguise so that he can't be followed. Now, of course, we all know that the shoeshine boy was Robin. He was wearing green pants and a red shirt, so obviously. And we also know that Batman has this UV tracking powder we've seen him use on both Robin and Catwoman before. So I'm sure Robin has put the UV tracking powder on this man's shoes. And as he walks back home after putting his disguise on, we see his shoes shining like mirrors. And in a corner, a small boy in glasses looking at him. Back at home, he looks at Batman in the chair and he's all, I need to continue with my experiments. I'm going to make this drug into a powder, then I'm going to spray it from a plane and make everyone even lazier than they already are. And what are you going to do to stop me, Batman? And he slaps him in the face with a glove, like he's an old Frenchman challenging him to a duel. But Batman's too lazy to fight, so Robin's going to have to fight on his behalf. He charges into the room, still dressed as the shoeshine boy, and punches Professor Post in the face. Professor Post is instantly knocked out, and when he wakes up, Batman is free and has taken the antidote. Batman's all, I'm fixed up now. I could lick the world. By which he means fight, not, not physically lick. Professor Post is all, It's you, the shoeshine boy. How did you follow me? And Batman and Robin explain that Robin put a chemical in the shoe polish that makes his shoes bright red and glow. They give him the UV glasses to put on and he sees his bright red glowing shoes. Aw, I'm disappointed. I wanted it to be the UV powder. Then Batman punches Professor Post in the face one more time for good measure. And we're back in the future with Professor Post mourning his defeat at the table. 
I told you, he said, it's a tragedy. Yeah, says Crafty Cal, it was nice for a while, but guess you got defeated. And then they asked the man in the orange suit what his racket was, as he's the only one who hasn't said yet. The man in the orange suit doesn't give his name, but he does show them a paper. It's from Gotham. It does not say the price. In fact, the price is all scribbled out. Are they trying to keep us from learning the price of 1942 newspapers? Do they think they can sell 1942 newspapers at a higher price to us now because we don't know the market? Disgraceful. But the paper does tell us that three army tanks were stolen and that the fifth colonist activity group is suspected. But... In the shadows of a factory, the orange-suited man tells us it isn't the fifth columnists, it was him and his mob. Now, the man in the orange suit doesn't have a clever plan. Instead, he goes around with his stolen tanks and blows up the doors of banks and jewelry stores and steals all the loot inside. His group is in tanks, so no one can stop them. And when they finish up with their tanks, they load them into fast trucks and drive away. He's doing so well. And another city newspaper, which refuses to tell us its price, but does call itself news, we learn that the city banks are falling prey to tank bandits. At least they are, until the Batplane shows up. Look, it has red racing stripes too. All the tank bandits are like the Batman. But they think they're safe inside the tanks, which they are not, because... Batman has Robin climb down on the Batplane's ladder and throw bottles at the tanks. We don't know what they are at the time, but the orange-suited man tells us in the future that the bottles are full of gasoline. The gasoline splashes all over the tanks. And then Robin takes it even further and he chucks a torch down on the tanks. The tanks set on fire immediately. The people inside are like, oh, it's so hot in this tank, we're going to be boiled alive. And they climb out of the tanks. Now, the tanks are gone, but the gang still wants to get away, so they climb into their fast trucks, and one of them has a machine gun attached. They try to blast Batman out of the sky, and it works! They hit the Batplane in the gas tank, and Batplane gas spews out of the fuel tank. Batman has to go make an emergency landing in a lake. He and Robin jump out of the Batplane and swim to shore. Once they're there, Dick laments that the Batplane is gone for good. But don't worry, folks at home. There's a spare, improved Batplane at home. By which I assume he means the barn. After getting out of the lake, Batman and Robin get back on the heels of the gang as quick as they can. Batman asks to borrow a motorcycle from a police officer who is happy to give it to him. And they chase the fast trucks through the street. The gang's just a bit faster than them, and they're able to get to their hideout and bar the door before Batman gets there. But that doesn't stop Batman. In his classic way, he rams the motorcycle right into the wooden door, and the wood all falls down around them. Then, Batman and Robin are in the building. They throw some gas bombs that they found in the motorcycle, and they turn out to be tear gas bombs. All the thugs start choking and crying, but... Batman is fine. I guess his mask protects him or something. I'd say shame it isn't choking gas, but Batman did scavenge this off a random police officer, so I guess I can't expect too much. Batman and Robin beat these guys up for a couple panels. Robin comes after them, riding a mobile table, swinging a mallet. Batman punches them until they see stars and Saturn. Robin lassoes some with tires, and the gang is beaten. Back with the men at the table... They all lament that they were beat up by Batman. 
But they say to themselves, even though Batman got us, we are pretty cool and smart. And then it is revealed to us that the men weren't just sitting around a table playing cards. They were sitting around a table playing cards in a prison, waiting to see the warden. Batman's captured them all and put them in jail. The three guys disband. But they agree it was a nice talk and they've all got some new ideas. When they leave to see the warden, the prison guard who let them out of the room says to himself, Those three guys are pretty smart, but Batman outsmarted them, and that means he's smarter. The end.